What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another Cardinals Update podcast presented by me, Cardinals Update, or Jesus, or Duke, um, whatever you want to call me. And yeah, basically, we're going to talk about everything that, that's happened so far with the Cardinals since kind of after the game on Sunday, and just talk about, you know, just little things that's going on in the future for the um, Texans week, and then just, um, yeah, just different roster things that um, that have happened. So yeah, um, BJ Ojolari, he had a great game on Sunday. I think we talked about it a little bit in the last podcast. He had two sacks, you know, a couple... Um, tackles i think he had good coverage grades here and there and yeah i think the defensive rookie class right now they're playing really well and they're playing you know above expectations i think you know there was a post by uh pff the other day if you follow me on twitter and instagram i reposted it saying that you know the top three defensive rookies um that are playing right now or or in week 10 you know it was bg ojolari i think he had he had a, a grade in the 80s same thing with garrett williams i think he was in the 70s and same thing with dante stills he was also in the 70s so just seeing all of them you know be great and and just be out there and just actually playing as rookies instead of just you know how we have it how we had in years past where you know rookies would would not play so much in the beginning but then you know when like it was like their third or fourth fourth year that's when you would see sort of you know oh yeah this corner or this defense alignment oh or this edge rusher you know they're playing solid now but you know at that time you know once it's already like the fourth or fifth year you're like dang like are we gonna pay him are we not gonna pay him you know can they is it just like something that happened just because of a contract year so you just you, you didn't in the past really know what happened but now especially with this rookie class you know outside just a defensive side you know the offensive side too you have Michael Wilson playing great you have uh, Paris Johnson you know he's been entrenched as a starter on the right tackle on the right side of the ball the right tackle spot for basically since he got into the building and just him playing great and just all of them just standing out I mean obviously this is a depleted roster and with the depleted roster you're gonna have some young guys playing if you're rebuilding you're gonna have you know you're gonna favor towards more of the younger guys that play instead of like the older vets but just seeing a bunch of them ball out this season is is great to see and and, you know us as Cardinals fans we're not used to that we're used to like I said you're used to having vets especially you know during these past couple seasons having vets and just relying on them like a JJ Watt or like someone like that where they they come in you know they're maybe you got a few good seasons out of them maybe like in the future but then that's about it you only have them for a year or two at max maybe they might break down they get they they might get hurt or they might retire but you know you have a small little window uh a chance to you know go hopefully you know deep in the playoffs or go hopefully win you know a division title or win a championship or stuff like that and you never had a great outside of maybe like 20 30 years ago you never had a great nucleus of young people on this team that were just like hey you know we have these young group group of guys and if you know if we just build off of that you know add some people here and there in the draft or in free agency and just you know with the next two three years that we're able to build something great just because we have a good young nucleus core of of, of these guys and yeah it's it just great to see obviously in 2023, Monty and Gannon first got here this season, and they didn't really have like a full off season just to you know evaluate 
players uh, um how they wanted so i mean they, they talked about it um when when money first got in the job he said you know they they have a certain way that they like to scout players and you know they don't have the full process and i think they're talking about something like they had the the previous regime regimes sort of like scouts and and you know they didn't really weren't able to implement their way of scouting this year but you know for 2024 they're going to have everything implemented the way they want it and be able to find all these different guys which is great to see i mean you you see this this draft that they you know obviously like, like i just said they didn't have too many people on their own, you know, scouting ways. But at the same time, you were able to hit with, like, diamonds in the rough. Like, Keetro Clark, he played good for being a, a fifth, sixth rounder, a, a, a day three pick. And you also have Dante Stills, you know, another day three pick. He's playing great. You had an undrafted free agent, um, Amari Demarcado. He's playing great out there um, whenever James Conner was down. And just seeing guys like that late in the round just be sort of diamond in the roughs. Maybe they, maybe they might not be starters, like or pro bowlers or all pros, you know, you know, for the next couple of years. But you just having those solid depth pieces that you can rely on. Let's say if someone does get injured or um, some weird things happen where they have to play a certain amount, you're comfortable with them going out there and playing, you know, meaningful football for you. Especially if it's like later in the season, if it's you know for trying to get uh, playoff spots, trying to you know win a playoff game, trying to get into the playoffs. You know, just having people like that on your roster is great to see and then also like if you're hitting on those late picks um on those you know beginning picks like pj like uh bj like um michael wilson garrett williams like those first like day one day two guys you know hopefully they some of them especially the first round picks some of them do turn into starters which is great to see you know most of the time it felt like during draft season you had maybe like one guy that'll maybe break out or one guy you know in a few years that'll break out for maybe a different team and that just felt like the cardinal way of doing things just because of how the previous gm was and just that just isn't the case right now so you know going back to what i was saying like it's great to see bj july out there you know he's trending up um i think i mentioned this in, in the last podcast too you know a lot of the time you know a lot of the a lot of the people in the beginning you know especially on twitter and on instagram you know dming me and stuff like that they were saying you know how come bj just doesn't look good how can you know when he when we drafted him everyone was saying oh you know this this edge rusher from lsu you know he's great you know he's gonna he's gonna get a bunch of sacks and the way nick rallis and gannon sort of hyped him up when after they drafted him i think they did a presser you know after the the day two draft and they said yeah you know we came out with bjo Jolari and and nick rallis kind of went like on a five eight minute tangent about you know what everything bjo Jolari does you know he plays violent you know obviously coming out of LSU he was a great pass rusher and just having him trying to focus on being a great run stopper you know playing good in coverage you know understanding reads and trying to play in the run was something that he had to work on I think that was one of like the draft you know quote-unquote knocks on him but um seeing seeing how how Rallis you know kind of talked about him and then you know he's saying you know he's he's a monster he's a physical guy and he's a killer that that they were looking for especially on the defensive side and you know Gannon sort of joked around with him it's like oh you know don't don't hype him with too much just because you know this is and that you know they're kind of joking there here and there but then you know before the the rookie mini camp or before OTAs he kind of had a, a a surgery in his knee you know trying to clean things up and I think that was something that he he injured during the draft process I think you know sometime around the combine that he hurt himself 
um, he hurt his knee. So just having that cleanup, you know, having any type of surgery isn't ideal, especially going into your rookie like off season, just trying to get entrenched into a defensive scheme and just trying to out the gates, you know, get, get that confidence of playing in the NFL. And then, you know, hopefully carrying that, that into your second year. So you could play, so you could play exponentially better that second year, but yeah. So having a, a knee surgery of any kind, isn't minor. I mean, it still is surgery at the end of the day. So just seeing him work back from that and then, you know, since he since he was out, you know those those couple of weeks for that knee injury, he wasn't able to do participate in OTAs in, in mini camp. I think he only did a little bit of things during training camp before the season started. And you know you you saw him out there. I think it was against the Vikings at that third preseason game, and he did look slow. He did look sluggish. It just looked like he wasn't. I mean, obviously he wasn't practicing or playing football that much to be, just because he was injured, but, you know, just him being slow, you know, a lot of people just, ever since that, that preseason game, a lot of people just were, you know, casting him off and just saying, oh, you know, we hit on Paris Johnson, you know, Michael Wilson looks good and, you know, that's about it. So we're just, you know, we didn't, we didn't hit on Ojolari, so they kind of just left it, but just seeing him these past couple, these past couple of weeks, just, you know trend in the right direction kind of building his confidence and just getting used to you know being out there on the field being used to what the coaches are calling for him and just everything you know that that goes into having a great season having a great week of practice and stuff like that just a lot of those things just building off of each other was just it was great to see everything kind of kind of pay off this game and you know especially these last couple of games I think he's really you know came on I think he had a sack um against uh against the ravens you know sack lamar jackson against ronnie stanley and just seeing him you know get that first sack i mean obviously the browns game was a little bit different just because you know the offense wasn't really complimenting the defense and the defense was just out there for way too long you know a lot longer than what they should have been out there for but you know seeing him bounce back this game especially you know having that complimentary offense and just them switching in and out you know the edge rushers that's something that Nick Rowles kind of touched on just seeing seeing him out there it's just great to see and kind of proving you know that the the doubters wrong you know obviously you want you want all the rookies to you know hit especially in their rookie season but you know sometimes you know it might not hit for everyone you know straight out of the box you know obviously Paris you know first round pick you expect him especially the sixth overall pick to come in and kind of be like a starter you know he might struggle here and there but just having him play great and you know sometimes it might take a lot longer for other guys to catch on to you know the 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 speed of the NFL game and just you know understanding what the coaches want from him. And I think that's something that happened with B.J. Ojolari. I, like I said um, before, or I tweeted about this, you know, multiple times throughout the years, saying that you know I think the best thing, you know, the the best time for rookies to 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 catch on. I mean, if you do play them early instead of just like having them sit out that first year, kind of redshirting them, you know, I think a good time for them to really catch on to really see if they have been playing. To, to see them kind of in, during the Thanksgiving time, I think I heard that from Bruce Arians back in the day. You know, he said, you know, rookies don't really understand what they're doing until it gets to Thanksgiving. And then that's when you, you can rely on them more. And that's just, you know, a bunch of um, factors going to that where, you know, if they have been starting throughout all of OTAs or throughout all of training camp or they haven't been starting and they kind of started, you know, week one, you know, just in and out as a rotation guy, just, you know, those different factors that go into it. I think 
BJ Jolari is someone that is going to start coming on, especially hot down the stretch, and then hopefully, you know, make, you know, great plays, you know, into the season and just build off of that going to, into 2024. Um, it was great to see. Um, Ojolari also talked about, you know, the coaches that helped them and kind of like the players that helped them. You know, he talked about Coach Rob Rodriguez and Co. and um, his teammate Zayvon Collins, just, you know, working with him after practice, understanding what they want from edge rushers and stuff like that. And just, you know, he had a lot of praise for them. I think one of the main things that he worked on, like I said before, was, you know, he was a great pass rusher. You know, he has long arms. That was one of the, the his his best his best attributes, you know, going um, into draft season was, you know, he was a great pass rusher, just understanding how to play the run and just understanding, you know, trying to get those tackles for loss. And, you know, obviously sacks are great just because it changes the game. You know, you sack quarterback, you know, they get, you know, five, 10 year losses and they're playing behind the sticks instead of, you know, you know, going on schedule. So you kind of mess that up for them, but just him understanding that and just evolving his game, especially just with such little time, you know, not having a, a, a real off season and just, you know, being behind the eight ball a little bit, you know, just start off the season, I think is, is great for him to see. And also him working with Zavin, I think both of them kind of have similar situations. Zavin was a middle linebacker, you know, he, he's kind of, you know, converting for, he was converting from the middle linebacker role to the edge rusher role and just him trying to understand, you know, being a pass rusher and just using his hands and just under seeing and reading, reading, reacting different aspects of the game. As a middle linebacker, you know, you're kind of reading and reacting the quarterback and then the guards and everything. So just as an edge rusher, you're kind of just reading, reacting the tackles, you know, the, 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 the quarterback, you know, seeing how they, you know, play off of each other. You just understand the run game, you know, just understanding momentum, understanding how different tackles, you know, have their get off and stuff like that. So just seeing those different things and just seeing, I mean, hearing how Zavin has helped BJ and then BJ also helping Zavin just great to see I think this the com the camaraderie on this team is just something that you just haven't seen especially in the past four or five years you know as everyone is just helping each other and everyone's on the same page you know everyone wants to win and I'm not saying no one wanted to win before but I mean this felt real you know from the top to the bottom from GM head coach all the way down to like the 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 skill players that may be players who are not starting but just players you know uh, special teams players or even guys in the practice squad you know everyone has the same vision everyone you know kind of has the same message you know whenever they speak in in press conferences I think for the most part you know everyone has the same message you know being you know paying attention to detail you know understanding your assignments understanding you know not everything's going to be perfect, but working on the stuff that you can work on, which is like, you know, if you have a mistake coming into the game or you have a mistake during the game, you know, trying to correct that and fix that for the next game and just building off of that each and every week, you're going to be exponentially better, you know, as the days go on instead of just, you know, oh, you know, this is something that I did last week, you know, this is something that messed up, but, you know, just forget it, you know, it's a new week, you know, I'm just going to do my own thing and stuff like that, you know, it felt like, you know, years before you had a lot of people with, um, with a bunch of egos, you know, not, not to throw anyone under the bus, but, you know, kind of how, you know, we traded people away, you know, Isaiah Simmons kind of felt like, you know, he had a ego where, you know, he couldn't, you know, he didn't really work on stuff, but, you know, he, he kind of had, you know, kind of, kind of thought himself as a better player than what he actually was. And, you know, instead of, you know, 
seeing his flaws and trying to work on that it just felt like he never improved on certain areas especially in the past game and you know he kind of felt like you know he was in the same realm as like a DeAndre Hopkins obviously Hopkins he's more established you know he's one of the greatest receivers of the past like decade but just kind of felt like Simmons was like he was on that Isaiah um, I mean Simmons was on that DeAndre Hopkins level which he wasn't you know he was first starting to get into the league and just you know that that sort of attitude and that sort of ego just wasn't going to be accepted here just you know you know kind of going off of that just seeing how everyone is good together is great to see um Gannon also talked about you know different stuff um situation wise so he talked about James Conner going down on the on the one yard line was that situational football he talked about um I know after the game he said that they have to work on a lot of situational stuff just to just to get better and just to understand you know you know just going through the reps with everyone you know with Kyler coming back with Drew Petsey calling the plays and James Conner coming back especially you know with a new um offensive line that you know some guys are down some guys are some guys are stepping up and just all those operational things and situational football that they have to improve on but he also you know praise James Conner for understanding, you know, the the time of the clock, understanding the situation of the game. And that's something that they all practice. I think Kyler um, talked about it, too, at the same time where he was like, yeah, you know, they they work on situational football, you know, every every week. And he says, you know, obviously, you know, so most teams probably do it, but just them understanding it and actually, it, you know, instead of saying, oh, yeah, we know, we know we got to work on stuff like that or, you know, it's the coach's fault of how things were in the past where they say, oh, you know, we just got to work on that. And then in the next week or in the next month, you know, the same flaws are happening each and every game. And they, you know, they say they're going to work on it. But in reality, you know, they haven't worked on it just because the same situations keep on coming up, which are just never getting fixed. Um, and now I feel like, you know, with Gannon and with Petsing and with Nick Rallis, I feel like, you know, they do have something that they'll mess up. But then at the end of the day, you know, Maybe some other things might might come up the next week, but I feel like it's never the same thing every single week that 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 they say they're gonna fix, but just never gets fixed, which is great to see. Um, so yeah, he talked about um, the offensive line with Beecham and Carter O'Donnell. I think both of them played great. Um, I was one to kind of, you know, I've always, you know, I think Beecham. I think he's a solid tackle. You know, a lot of people. You know, whenever I bring that up saying, that, oh, you know, he's a solid tackle. You just got to, you know, I think he especially, you know, last year he's played. He played all the games. I think he played every single snap last season at right tackle spot. And then just him. I think he's very solid. Obviously, he's he's not the best. You know, he he is up there in age. But him being a solid starter is just great to see as a swing tackle. I didn't think, you know, he was a good left tackle. Just seeing him, seeing him in the preseason, you know, when he was lined up at the left tackle spot, you know, his grades weren't really that well. I think they were like in the, in the low fifties or something like that. And then just whenever he did play at that right tackle spot, he, he, you know, he was in the sixties or seventies. So, I mean, it, for him, I think there's a big difference going from left and right tackle, but I think what sort of helped him out this week is just staying and keeping those reps at left tackle throughout the whole practice week. And then whenever he did get on the game on Sunday, he was playing, that left tackle role, which I think helped him a lot. 
I think, you know, maybe in the preseason, you know, kind of seeing those, the, the, the big, you know, 10 point swings, you know, going from left to right tackle, I think maybe because, you know, in some situations he was just always lined up at the right side, you know, whenever the twos came out and just him just magically playing on the left side was something that he hasn't practiced all week. And then with Carter O'Donnell, I think I talked about this a little bit too, you know, it was his first start playing at guard, you know, this, I think in his, in his career, so there's him playing great. I think, he, I think all of the offensive lines played, you know, pretty solid, but just him, you know, being a, a young guy and then also just being able to have his first start and him playing just very, you know, well and complimentary just to the, to beat him on his left side, to Froho on in, in the, in the inside of him and just being not a liability on the offensive line. I mean, the, the Falcons defensive line isn't that great, but just seeing him be solid enough where, you know, he did come out with a good grade. I think he ended with like a, a grade in, in the, in the mid sixties. I think everyone on the offensive line besides like, maybe you know just some run grades here and there but just everyone like kind of averaged out in the 60s you know that is just great to see and hopefully you know going into next week I think you know if you have someone I think like like I said um I think I tweeted out before I I think Paris would be good you know kind of transitioning him to left tackle what he was playing you know coming out of college and I think I think just having just everyone playing in positions that are just complement each other, just having Beecham play that right tackle spot, which he was, he's just been great at since coming into Arizona. I think him playing that right tackle spot, Paris playing that left tackle spot, you know, something more natural for him. And then just on the inside, you know, you have Will, Will on the right guard spot. Hopefully Carter O'Donnell, he can keep playing, you know, this left guard spot for a while. He is young. I think he's like 24 or 25 years old. So just seeing, hopefully, you know, he progresses well and just you have someone that could be not maybe like an all pro starter or, or a pro bowl starter, but just someone that plays solid enough on that left guard spot. So it's just on a turnstile and you're able to trust a guy right there, I think is, is something that hopefully you, you get to see, you know, down the stretch and just see, he keeps on building off of these different games and, that's something as a Cardinals fan, you weren't able to see. I think the last time we had a good solid guard that has played, you know, snap after snap was probably, you know, Mike Ayupati back in the day when they signed him from the 49ers. I know Justin Pugh was, was solid here and there, but he was just, you know, injured a lot of the time, which, you know, sucks to see. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what, what Gannon talked about for Petsing. You know, he, I think, you know, with Petsing, I did tweet out, I think, after the Browns game going into, like, this week going into, uh, into the Falcons, I, I you know, kind of pointed out, you know, he didn't really have a great couple of weeks, you know, just calling plays. Obviously, you had Josh Dobbs starting one week, you had um, Clayton Toon starting another week, and then you have Kyler Murray starting this week, so that doesn't help him. And then with the offensive line going down with injuries, too, that's not really helping him either, but just him playing... Kim calling a complimentary game, you know, you know, you had Kyler under center, I think, for like 30, 40% of the snaps, which you would hope that it was a lot more, but just him playing under center, you know, giving the ball up to James Conner, James Conner just making great plays and just being ahead of the sticks and just him being comfortable calling everything. I think he, Petsing really, um, stood up in that situation and he really just was able to, to, to dial in on just different plays and just, calling up the right plays at the right time I think is is something that he got better at than he was these past couple of weeks um I think you know all the coaches as a whole I think um 
accountability was a main thing. I, I know Kyler talked about it uh, uh, a little bit, and then Gannon talked about it too, that just saying, you know, comparing, not not comparing, but just, you know, the, the years prior, it was just, you know, accountability wasn't a thing. It was just more like go out there and just make a play. But just now, you know, with, I think Gannon talked about this too, you know, Petzing has a, a, a call sheet, you know, whenever he comes in on Mondays, you know, he talked about the week before or the game before, you know, what we need to improve on, what we did good, what we did bad, you know, what we need to work on for next game and sort of like a little bit of self-scouting for that week. And, you know, he talks about he brings that in, you know, for Gannon, for himself, for the defense. And then, you know, just that th- those little things right there. I, Petzing did talk about it, too. You know, he said that, you know, he does that just so he shows the players that they're not the only ones that are working on themselves. You know, obviously you tell the players, hey, you know, work on this. You know, you have this thing that you messed up the week before, you know, work on it and stuff like that. So, I mean, if he's out there saying it, you know, it, it's it's something that, that you love to see where, like, you kind of have a leader in the, lo- in the locker room that shows, you know, you know, I'm, I'm telling you to do this and I'm showing you, hey, you know, you got to improve on this every single week and just get better at this. You know, how am I going to be a leader if I'm just telling you this and I'm doing, I'm not doing, I'm not doing it myself. So just seeing him actually do that himself and do self-scouting and just, you know, you know, if he needs to work on some communication stuff or, you know, something that he did bad, something that he wants to improve on, something that he missed out on the week before, just having that accountability and that and that um, trait to be like a self-scouter um, within yourself and within your team. is something that's great to see. And I think that will just help everyone in the future just understanding, hey, you know, we all have mistakes. You know, no one's a perfect football player. No one's a perfect coach or no one's going to be a perfect play caller. Just understanding that, you know, we're going to have good and bad times which is hopefully you know more man you you know you have better times than when you have bad times so just understanding that i think the same thing kind of have rubbed off on kyler murray just you know him loving how the coaches are more uh detail oriented i think he talked about that in the in the preseason when he had an interview or when he had a press conference and you know just him kind of owning that and just being, hey, you know, these these guys are holding everyone accountable. And so they're just a certain amount of people, which, you know, treat, treating everyone on the locker room with the same expectations is just going to write it is going to raise everyone's level, everyone's play level and also everyone's preparation throughout the week. And just, you know, you have good preparation throughout the week. You know, hopefully the game comes easy at the end. So that's sort of what happened, you know, interview wise, you know, kind of talking with Kyler, Petsing and Gannon. Um, also, we did, well, we were awarded the waiver claim of Michael Carter. Um, if you guys saw that out, I know I, I did tweet about it and I did post it out on Instagram and, and, and Twitter. Um, yeah, so we have Michael Carter. I think he's going to be a great complimentary back to James Conner. And especially, you know, God forbid, hopefully it doesn't happen. But if James Conner does go down again with some sort of injury, you know, you have someone that has taken, you know, NFL snaps that has taken a workload of, of running back roles and just being like an every down back, you know, in in his rookie year, I think that was sort of his, his best year. And then just unfortunate, you know, things happen, you know, each and every year since then, I think it, his rookie year was in 2020. So just, you know, unfortunate things happen, you know, 2021, 2022, and then this year too, 
where he just fell out of favor with the coaching staff. I think just it was a crowded room, sort of like how our edge room is right now, just a, a crowded room. And I think that the same thing happened with the Jets. You know, he was drafted in, like I said, I think in 2020, that rookie year. You know, he played amazing. You know, he had a couple hundred uh, yards receiving, a, a couple hundred um, yards rushing. He was a true, like, do-it-all running back, especially at, at a smaller smaller size. He's like 5'8", 200 pounds. So just him being able to be a solid rusher and, you know, he has, you know, lower center of gravity, you know, he has thicker legs, so he's able to, you know, just churn out some large yards in the run game, but also being able to catch the ball out of the backfield. And, and I think the only knock on him was, you know, his pass protection isn't really up there. I mean, he is a smaller guy. But, you know, just working on that, I'm sure Gannon and uh, Petsing are going to help him coach him through all that and just figure out, you know, what he's good at, you know, kind of carve out a role for him in this offense. Because right now, especially, you know, injury wise, it goes James Conner. And then after that, you know, Keontae Ingram has been hurt a lot. Uh, Demarcado was hurt, too. And I mean, after that, you have Damian Williams, I think you have Tony Jones Jr. out there. So just not really great depth at the running back position for us, especially, you know, being this type of offense where it's kind of like the Browns offense, kind of like the Shanahan offense where you have, you know, you do feature the tight ends and you do feature the running backs a lot. Just having not that much depth at the running back position. At the tight end position, I think you're good. You you know, you have Trey McBride, you have Jeff, Jeff Swaim, you have um, Higgins out there too. And then whenever Ertz comes back from his injury, you have him too. So I think that the tight end position depth wise and just also starter wise, I think is great, but just something that's been a need, especially, you know, these, this past month with James Conner down, you know, having that complimentary and that backup running back to, to James Conner. I think, you know, you, you kind of have, have that in Michael Carter right now. Hopefully, you know, he, he, he is as explosive as he was, you know, that rookie year, hopefully it was just like, just falling out of favor in with the Jets facility. Like I said, that rookie year, you know, he was there. He was that main running back. And then the year after, they, they drafted, um, I forgot his name, but they drafted another running back the year after. He had a solid, uh, Brees Hall, he had a solid rookie rookie season until he came down with injury. And then, you know, he, him coming back from injury this year. And then also the, the Jets signing Dalvin Cook, too. So it just felt like they had a bunch of running backs. And it just, you know, he was just the odd man out in that room. You have uh, a guy like like Michael Carter coming in for the for the Arizona Cardinals I think he sort of looks like what we had in in years in years past with uh, uh Chase Edmonds type running back where you know I was watching a few highlights and just watching a little bit of film just a little bit of of, of rushing from Michael Carter on YouTube and you know him seeing him being able to 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 break tackles and just you know if he does catch the ball out, out of the backfield or he does catch it like on a swing pass or something like that him being able to make the first guy miss and just be shifty enough in the open field to get those first couple of downs instead of you know if you do you know it, it, like for Kyler for example if he does you know pass it to him like an, in a dump off situation like you can trust that Michael Carter is going to get you know three or five yards instead of just getting tackled at the line of scrimmage or getting tackled you know one yard and just falling backwards just like that he's he's the type of guy like I said before I think I've, I've said it before I don't know if I'm on Twitter or on Instagram saying that you know Chase Edmonds is like one of the only guys especially you know in last not not last year but that 2021 season he was one of the only guys that you had on de on offense that can make people miss on the defensive side so he was the only shifty guy you had James Conner you know he was kind of like the the bruiser back you know kind of you run over you but 
Chase Edmonds was the only guy that was shifty enough to have other people miss around him and just him being able to make something out of no- nothing, get those yak abilities. I think you had uh, Hopkins on that team too, but he was more of like, you know, just a receiver one, just no one underneath that you had that was able to, to, to get those shifty yards and just get, you know, make something out of nothing. And hopefully Michael Carter does carve out that RB2 role. I personally don't see him starting this Sunday just because we did claim him um, Wednesday off of waivers and just him coming in, I think Thursday, is going to be his first day at in Arizona coming from New York and just Thursday practice who knows if he's if he's even going to practice if it's just going to be like him just standing around or his him his or he's going to be limited and then Friday is sort of like a fast Friday you know just something just walkthroughs and then they're on a plane to Houston so I don't really see him playing at all I, I to be honest this week but just having him in the building kind of seeing how they operate hopefully on Thursday and Friday and then him going into the week uh, on the following week hopefully that he's able to you know see what type of role he he has in this offense and just having James Conner out there you know probably for like 70 to 80 percent of the snaps and then just having Michael Carter kind of be the change of pace kind of the the lightning to James Conner's thunder you know where he's out there you know he's able to to get a few of those uh those dump offs or a few of those yards where you're not really expecting it and just you know having a real complimentary run game and then you have Kyler out there too just having someone as dynamic as him in in the backfield is something that's going to be you know great to see that we just haven't seen in a while um, yeah, so that's basically all I have right now uh, for you guys. You know, hopefully I'll come back on Friday, kind of talk about, you know, who's in and who's out, you know, in terms of injury wise and just previewing more of the Texans game. So thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, I do appreciate, you know, everyone that does listen, that does, you know, like, does that the, that does retweet, that does share the, the podcast out there. And yeah, all of that really does help me out. And I really do appreciate every single, every single one of you guys. Um, see you guys hopefully on Friday.